1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie.
1: Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was
2: great advice,
1: but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do.
0: Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles.
2: Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie Show.
0: And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure.
2: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts.
1: Blue Wire. Welcome back, this is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato, and tonight we are coming to you to recap the Giants' 17-12 victory in Week 13 over the previously first place in the NFC West, 8-3, 5-0 at home, Seattle Seahawks, the Giants' fourth consecutive victory of the 2020 season, and now, no matter what happens when the Washington football team takes on the Pittsburgh Steelers, though we will all be rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Giants will have first place by way of the tiebreaker heading into next week as they had it heading into this week. But if Washington loses as expected, as we hope at least, though I do think they will put up a big fight there, but we'll see what happens. I think they're going to cover that spread and lose. So ultimately, if that does happen, the Giants will have sole possession of first place going into week 14 of a season I can't even remember the last time that happened. That's exciting. Less exciting, though, when you consider the state of the NFC East. What's more exciting to me, Nick, as I get into reasons for excitement and why I'm just thrilled to do this podcast tonight and so happy to get into this, is that honestly, quite frankly, and it culminated in this game, but it wasn't just in this game. If it was just in this game, I wouldn't be saying it. The Giants' offensive line right now is is playing better than they have since the 2009 season. And maybe you could say 2008-2009. I think they still had a little bit of that juice left in 2009. I think it's probably safer to say 2008, but I would also say that I want to see them do it over the rest of the season, then I could say, "Okay, I'll date it back to 2008" because I think there were still some good stretches in 09 as that line kind of started to collapse and that was kind of the end of it. But when you see a game like this one, where you come into the game as a Giants football team with a backup quarterback in, and it's not Jalen hurts, somebody who has a little juice. It's not Andy Dalton, someone who's won a lot of games. It's a thirty four year old six foot one and a half journeyman quarterback who ends up throwing for a hundred a little over a hundred yards passing and averaging four point eight yards per attempt and you win the football game. How do you do that? There's multiple ways why, and I want to get into all of them tonight. But before I do that, and before I share my reason why I think the Giants won this game, my key takeaway, I want to hear what yours is, Nick. How do you feel about this win, and why, if you had to pinpoint one reason, and I know that's not going to be the case, so we'll get into all the reasons, but if you had to pinpoint one reason why this game was decided for the New York Football Giants, this massive upset victory, what would it be?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm feeling great right now. Feeling great right now, Dan. I'm feeling great right now, everybody. And if I had to pick one reason, it's going to be Patrick Graham. Would be the reason that I would say. I think there's a lot more to it than just Patrick Graham. Obviously, all the players on the defense, so I could just collectively say the defense. But I want to give my tip of the cap to the coordinator, who is not only calling good defensive plays, but he's also teaching these younger players how to really maximize their skill sets. And I think we see that with the seventh round picks and the sixth round picks and the undrafted rookies that are balling out. I think what we talked about in the offseason about this coaching staff actually being teachers was not bullshit by any stretch of the imagination and we see it basically every sunday
1: yeah and i want to get into that but i will give my take first i'm going to give my one tip of the hat my my one key reason for victory the key reason the giants came away with this massive upset to the offensive line i'm going to do it because this game was decided on that drive where they imposed their will and then on the next drive where they impose their will. This is a game today where we knew going in, if the Giants wanted any chance to win this football game, they were going to have to convert their red zone drives into touchdown drives, not field goal drives, touchdown drives. And the two times the Giants got into the red zone, they converted on t- they converted to touchdowns, and it was on the back of their offensive line. There were solid runs by Alfred Morris. I'll give him credit for it. And there was one unbelievable play call by Jason Garrett at a perfectly opportune time when literally everyone on that defense was selling out to the run on that second and goal, and they just ran that leak out pass to Alfred Morris, where literally, I honestly think Nick Filato, you could have ran that leak out route caught that football, and got in the end zone. I don't think I could have. I think you're a little bit more athletic from me than me from my own opinion of judging you and seeing you move around a little bit, and you're in better shape than me, but I do think that you could have walked that touchdown in, and that's how good that play call was. But ultimately, to even get down there and then on the drive before that, it's the offensive line for me, man, because you look at the run by Wayne Gallman. That was sprung by some incredible blocking for sure, and that was a six-yard run but that wasn't even the most impressive thing that went down on that drive when you get into that situation after that long run defenses you know the offensive line is running out of time on the play clock cuz the NFL never seems to do a good job of resetting it it's really when you're in first and 10 there from and i believe the giants were around what the 18 yard line there First and 10 from the 18 yard line in the red zone. There's two things that are happening there. One, you're rushing to call the snap, so it's almost always a run. If you look at all these big plays, you look at how the NFL teams followed up, and I don't think this is an excellent decision by NFL coaches, but it is one, and they followed up with a run play. So the defense is gearing up for that. Two, once you get down in that red zone area, it's so constricted. It's so much harder to run the football. And I want to see these plays on all 22, but just from the broadcast angle and just from knowing that context that I just outlined and broke down, It shows how impressive the blocking was to spring two straight runs there. That's all it took, two runs, and they're in the end zone after that. It's unbelievably impressive there. It really and truly is. And then again, they came back down the second red zone trip and punched another one. And yes, that was off the play action pass for the touchdown for sure. But to get down there, there were some runs that sprung them there. And it was the 17, I believe, by the way. But for me, if I had to give it one game ball, it's to this offensive line for blowing that Seattle defense off the ball. And remember, Seattle came into this game with the fifth ranked rushing defense. This is now another really good game against a really good front. Sure, we don't want to give the Giants credit some people don't want to give the Giants offensive line credit for blowing the Cincinnati Bengals off the ball short if you want to do that that's fine even though the Dolphins offensive line completely struggled to blow them off the ball this week so it's not like that's a gimme but Washington football team front Eagles front and now the Seahawks front this is really three impressive games from this off from this deep oh, I'm sorry from this offensive line so tip my hat there get into that if you want to or we'll go back into Graham
2: nah man I mean it's hard to not acknowledge the offensive line they were dominating at the point of attack that includes Nick Gates Will Hernandez Shane Lemieux in the running game Andrew Thomas who is playing exceptional as a pass blocker and has done well in the run game kind of all year to be honest but you can just see the confidence glowing from that kid but I don't want to just acknowledge the offensive line as well as they were we also got to touch on the tight ends too man because these tight ends were really doing well they're very effective at the point of attack that includes Evan Ingram Levine Toyololo, but especially Smith Caden Smith was blocking really well in this game and I'm just glad to have him back off the COVID list because he was really effective. I was re-watching the game uh, from the broadcast on on Game Pass during Sunday Night Football and there were a couple reps where I just can't wait to get into the All-22 to really kind of show what he was doing. Nick Gates also, he had a couple reps that were really good against Puna Ford, somebody I thought he would actually struggle with because of the natural leverage battle.
1: Yeah, you look at it, Nick Gates, a guy who he came into this one saying, it's a big matchup for him, will he struggle? Will all the progress he's made kind of be a little overshadowed by a bad matchup? Nope, that wasn't the case. At least not on the broadcast angle. Caden Smith, a guy who we talked about earlier. Obviously, he was on COVID last week, but a guy who we talked about earlier this season. Like, wait a second, do they maybe have a two-way tight end out of Caden Smith? I know he hasn't been utilized as often in the passing game this season, but more importantly for me is that six-foot-five frame at 250 pounds, now putting together a lot of film of him making really good plays in the run game as a blocker. And I start to think there's a future for him as a two-way guy because the Giants in the worst way need a two-way tight end and somebody who's going to be a really plus blocker for them with how this offense is setting up.
2: These aren't just base blocks either. These aren't just, oh, I'm going to block down on this five technique or I'm going to reach a little bit on this seven technique. No, these are him pulling. These are him lining up as H-back. These are gap power. These are so many different types of blocking schemes and blocking responsibilities that he's being asked to do when he's doing them at a high level and that speaks a lot I mean this is a second year player who was not drafted high mean this is, this is a really good back-end roster guy to have and he's like you said man he's really earning his keep here with the New York Giants
1: yeah you're right and it's really an excellent point of just what coaching can do mm-hmm. for these young players and that kind of goes to your point of you, know, you want to give some credit to Patrick Graham as maybe the game ball guy. I couldn't argue with that, you on that. Yeah, I think probably the most important drive of this game was when they kind of got into the red zone with that 60 yard run sprung by the offensive line and then punched it in instead of settling for three. And then the second one. But at the same time, there is no game to win if not for this defense. And Patrick Graham, like you mentioned, Caden Smith, late round pick. I think it was a six round pick, second year player. How about Patrick Graham? At this point, he's dealing with a deck that's been shuffled around 17 times and then dealt out to him and it's mostly 10-7 offsuit and jack nine offsuit and a little bit of king queen broadway offsuit action maybe some small pairs he's being dealt for all you hold'em players out there. we deserve a negative
2: review for this guys
1: (laughs) (laughs) the point i'm trying to make is it started with adrian colbert in the deep safety role then he got hurt okay now he's rotated out to Julian Love started with Ryan Lewis at corner or Corey Ballantyne at corner then Ryan Lewis now it's Isaac Yitam at linebacker the injuries have moved in guys and I'm talking about outside linebacker like Carter Coughlin Cam Brown Nico Lelos who is partly part of this rookie class he's an undrafted guy they signed that's part of the rookie class that the Giants are having right now and then of course not just those three how about Tay Crowder another guy you didn't expect. And then finally, Darnay Holmes. All five of those guys are playing snaps on this defense, some heavier than others. And none of those five guys were selected in the third round or earlier. None of those guys were day one picks. None of those guys were day two picks. Patrick Graham is playing. This is the hand he has been dealt. And he's doing an unbelievable job of this. I mean, this is a crazy game for him. This is out-of-control stuff. This is the type of stuff that someone might throw on at some point this offseason when they're interviewing coaches and be like, we need to interview this guy. And that's something I'm a little bit concerned about down the line, which we'll talk about later at another point, because he's starting to put together a resume that really speaks for itself. But when you come into a game, and again, I know – the eagles kind of did a good job shutting down this this seahawks offense a little bit last week and they're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line obviously chad wheeler doesn't need to be on a football field and dexter lawrence made that clear tonight (laughs) by just ragdolling him to the ground but this offense overall this season has been one of the five best in the nfl they still have russell wilson healthy they still have dk Metcalf healthy and chris carson who hasn't played this entire season was back and looking like the man child that he is and yet patrick graham devised the defense That allowed 12 total points, two which came off a safety, which have nothing to do with his defense. The Seahawks went 4 of 13 on third down. And when you combine their two failed fourth down opportunities, that's 4 of 15. That's insanity. This is one of the best third down offenses in the NFL. They went 4 of 15. They only had 327 yards of total offense in this game. They didn't run the ball very well, the, the Seahawks, and they didn't pass the ball very well either. 216 yards passing for Russell Wilson, is not anything special and ultimately I probably would have to agree with you Nick I'm gonna get I'm gonna be with you on this I'm gonna give Patrick Graham the ultimate game ball as I kind of work through this because this effort by this Giants team I mean we went into this game like thinking okay actually the more we watch the tape on these teams and where they're at right now if Daniel Jones was in this game the Giants could win this game and we came out of it early in the game we were talking a little bit we're like oh my god the Giants could win this game with Daniel Jones I'm we're obviously gonna lose with McCoy and then Time started to roll by, and they're making more plays on defense and more plays. And it's so impressive to me just how cohesive this defense is, how they're always on the same page, so few communication breakdowns. And they rally to the ball to create interception opportunities, and it's just so impressive to me, Nick. Yeah, rallying to the ball, man, that goes
2: speaks to the teaching of this team, the awareness, and just how you're able to, like you said, man, take this deck of cards of a bunch of hodgepodge of players that shouldn't really be earning this many snaps, but they are earning the snaps through their work ethic and through the fact that they are coachable and they have the coach to coach them, which you would imagine every NFL team has that. I don't think that's the case. We've watched a lot of Giants football in our life, and there's been plenty of times where the New York Giants, they had football coaches, but were they really teachers? Were they really actually inculcating the game and what to do and why they're doing it into their players? I don't think so, and I don't have that question whatsoever with Joe Judge and this coaching staff, man. They do a great job of making sure these players know where, why, and what they're supposed to be doing. And these guys are all, they seem smart, man. They seem like they're very coachable. That must be a huge sticking point for Dave Gettleman and the rest of the Giants on players who to draft. Now, you have DeAndre Baker thrown in there, which is somebody that you would probably question in terms of that. But a lot of these later round guys, they were all team captains, like we mentioned. They were all leaders on their respective teams. And their leadership and their maturity might be helping them as they find their way onto the field in the latter half of a playoff run.
1: Yeah you're 100% right, Nick. And you even look at a guy like Darnay Holmes may not have been the team captain every year there, but Mm. he's a guy who everyone, if you read his story in the Players' Tribune, you know what he went through to get to where he is today. And you know that they're vetting these guys and they're trying to build a culture that focuses exactly on what you just said. And I've been a proponent of that because I kind of looked through the past kind of Giants years and how that 2016 team was so up and then down so quickly. And a lot of it in my mind had to do with some of the personalities they had there. A lot of In my mind me first guys especially the number one guy who kind of was the entire the team kind of ran through entirely the face of the franchise at that time I mean some would say it was still Eli Manning but at that point it was mostly Odell Beckham at least from a markability standpoint and from who Giants fans are most enamored with and they've kind of completely reshaped that through a lot of resources they've had a lot of picks in these last three drafts and really good undrafted stuff that they've done Nickleio said, "We're not going to co- totally say that's a hit yet, yeah. but it's get it's it's he's a player who's making plays and contributing already." Nick Gates, I mean, that is a slam dunk, slam dunk. Hit. That's out of the park home run. No matter what happens the rest of the season, that's a that's a home run now for the Giants. And you watch a game like this, man, where the Giants came into this with Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback, and I can only hope, Nick, I can only hope and pray that I don't see anything this week when I'm watching some stupid first take or some stupid listening to some radio or whatever it may be that people are like are the giants a better team with colt mccoy than daniel jones because let me <laughs> tell you something the only reason i thought the giants had any chance to not win this game was because colt mccoy was the quarterback and that was both before the game and in the game and they ended up winning the game awesome but colt mccoy threw for just over 100 yards and average 4.8 yards per Per pass in my mind he took three points off the board with that interception some will blame that on ingram because they hit off his hands in my mind it's unbelievably bad ball placement you cannot be throwing yeah. that ball towards the defender you need to throw to his back shoulder and there were other plays where the ball placement was way off now colt made some solid throws the 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 when they needed to milk clock and they took four minutes off the clock before the seahawks final drive he had a nice ball to slate and threw that right in there a couple nice balls to shepherd and tate don't want to take any of that away from him and he had a nice pass to Ingram as well to move the chains on that drive. But when your quarterback's throwing for 100 yards, he's adding nothing in the zone re-running game, and he's averaging 4.8 yards per pass attempt with an interception, no, he's not the reason you won. It's not because Daniel Jones wasn't out there.
2: He didn't lose the game. That's all you can ask for him. Right, this is a backup quarterback, 34-year-old, old six foot one dude. And I thought the Giants were going to lose this game, you know? I'll take the egg on my face, don't really care so he didn't lose the football game he did just enough to win and that's all you can ask for let's hope daniel jones is healthy enough to return against arizona i'm not overly optimistic about that but let's see what the week of practice unfolds in terms of that
1: yeah and it's interesting and i want to ask you about that actually but before we get into that the idea of jones next week and his status and where the giants are at with that and where we would be at with that if we were making that decision let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors
2: as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms, conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online, online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting when it comes to Jones. Now that the Giants have stolen this victory that no one really expected them to on the road against Seattle, an 8-3 team, I mean, this is a big-time win, and we'll get into a little bit more of why we felt so good coming out of this game in a bit. But now that they have, I think there's a little bit less pressure, actually, to bring Daniel Jones back now. From what I'm hearing, uh, Giant Insider, friend of the podcast, Chris, guy a guy i'm I'm personally friends with he says jones is 90 to 95 percent he's hearing to play next week that's what he tweeted out yeah. jordan ronan who probably is a little more um or probably has a little bit better of a track record when it comes to sources though i still believe kind of the best for that is still rafakiano now that garofalo falls off the beat but ronan's definitely a little more plugged in says it's very he's very optimistic the giants are very optimistic my question for you is this though with them having stolen that win would you rush Jones back in if it means he's going to be playing at less than 100% health? Or would you wait against the Arizona Cardinals and play McCoy one more game in the hopes that when you get Jones back, he'll be 100%, you can utilize the zone running game again, and you could just not even worry about this hamstring? Because remember, soft tissue issues are incredibly tricky. Sorry, soft tissue injuries are incredibly tricky, and they often lead to re-injury. So, yeah,
2: personally want to wait till he is 100 percent healthy but I'm also not a doctor so if the, t-
1: if the team doctor does believe
2: that he can go out there and play and the risk of re-injuring the hamstring is very very minimized I mean I would obviously go along with that it's it's tough man because Daniel Jones with a hurt hamstring is not going to be able to run those zone reads effectively you see him in there next week running zone read and and doing what Daniel Jones has done all year with a hamstring that was pulled two weeks ago i don't really necessarily see that can he put weight on it can he throw yes but he's going to be limited so it's definitely something that the coaching staff needs to be very careful because it's a precarious situation i mean you you put him out there and he has to scramble a little bit he pulls that and then he's out until the playoffs i mean i don't want that whatsoever so i want them to kind of handle it with care and i'd be willing to see colt mccoy go out there against arizona host the arizona cardinals who have been struggling I wouldn't feel confident in that game either, to be honest. But I don't want Daniel Jones to potentially tear this hamstring. But I'm trusting the doctors on that one.
1: Yeah, I think we're spot on with this, Nick. Obviously, I'm trusting the doctors as well. But I think for me, the bigger issue here is not necessarily will he be less effective than McCoy if he's playing on a a less than 100% hamstring. It's the risk of re-injury because... I think he'll immediately, even if he's just a statue back there and he doesn't have his mobility, he's still a better option to me by far than McCoy. And yes. one of the things we noticed in this game, and I said it to you and you said, yeah, that's a great point, um, which made me feel good because usually it's Nick giving the great points and I'm the one confirming, or the opposite way around, whatever it may be, it's that the passing lanes are different when you have a guy who, like Colt McCoy in the game. When you, when you have a six foot one quarterback in the game, there was one pass where a D-back got in his lane and he had to kind of readjust his arm slot and he drilled the ball into the ground and it looked extremely ugly. And I've seen Jones all the time in that exact same spot because of his six foot five height and the ability and because he has that kind of David Cutcliffe worked throwing motion and David Cutcliffe worked arm mechanics he's able to throw a very tall ball as they say and it goes over that defensive back and it gets there for the completion it's thrown high where it should be to the receiver and that's a chain moving play for McCoy it was drilled into the ground so I think ultimately they're way better off with with Jones in the game even if he's not healthy but I am a bit worried definitely for sure about the risk of re-injury.
2: Also, what if Washington goes out here and beats Pittsburgh?
1: Uh, yeah, then that puts the pressure right back on the Giants for sure. Yeah. I've always thought that this Arizona matchup was a much worse matchup for the Giants than Seattle. Before I said this two weeks ago. I'll say, I'm saying I said it before today. I'm saying it again. The Giants match up schematically, in my mind, much better against Seattle. Even though I think Seattle is a better team than Arizona, I just don't like. I think Arizona is going to be able to find ways to run the ball. Because remember last year when Arizona played the Giants, they were kind of the they were kind of that first team that exposed the Giants' inability to stop the run on the outside. Mm-hmm. And the Giants have gotten a lot better than that at, at that this season. They were kind of struggling there more in earlier in the season. You saw it with Chicago game, and with the Rams a little bit, um, and with the Cowboys a little bit, but. It just seems like a matchup that doesn't feel as good to me from that standpoint. I think the Arizona defense is playing a little better than Seattle's defense. I'm not really sure if they're
2: playing better, but I wanted to make two points, actually. One, I think the Giants might be able to establish the run against them. The Rams just ran all over them. The Rams have a totally different running scheme than the New York Giants right now. They in a lot of stretch zone, wide zone, stuff like that. And two, to go back to last year, was the debacle against the Arizona Cardinals one of the main reasons that facilitated the Leonard Williams trade?
1: That's a good question. I think that probably led to it to some extent, but they didn't really. I feel like in that game they didn't really beat them too much on the inside. It was all those outside runs. It was, but like I'm wondering if uh, they think, hey, we could put Leonard Williams,
2: you know, at five technique, we could move yeah. him around, and that will give us more of a scheme diversity for James Betcher, because it was that. That what was it, three touchdown game from Chase Edmonds? Yeah, it, was it was something. It, it was it was incredibly terrible. And then I think with the next week, the Giants traded for Leonard Williams, <laughs> and then we saw him week nine again. I think it was week nine against Dallas, and Dallas did the same thing. They ran stretch zone. They run they ran wide zone, and they just stretched the Giants defense horizontally. This year, teams have tried to do that, but Kyler Fackrell has been an absolute stud. Now he's not there. Right. And Seattle did not really necessarily try. They did halfback tosses and stuff like that. The Giants did pretty well rallying, and you know what? Credit to the defensive the backs and the linebackers there yeah they really did well in those uh situations against seattle i'm hoping that the loss of fat isn't going to be big down the stretch when teams really just start running the ball directly at carter coughlin
1: yeah you make a good point there nick i think uh you know i'm reconsidering it it's a different season it's a different team they don't have Chandler jones this season they had him against the giants last season so and then on the flip side of that you know they're not ultimately playing the same giants run defense they were playing last year this is a much better run defense just simply by having blake martinez who knock on wood we right. hope that injury isn't serious and Leonard Williams on the field two guys they didn't have for that Arizona game so yeah I mean it's going to be an interesting situation because like I said this is a different kind of win and I want to talk to you a little bit about this and get into this now Nick this is a different feeling win than any win I think the Giants have had since the 2016 season now in 2017 in 2018 and 2019 I'll be honest with you guys on the podcast I don't really get up for any of the wins The only win that kind of brought out the fan in me the the guy who's clapping at the end of the game like this one and high-fiving around the room when the Giants make that stop was probably the Jones game last season the second one against Washington because he threw for 350 yards and five TDs and that was like oh whoa 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 do they maybe have something really big here at quarterback because that could change the whole fortune of the franchise but other than that I didn't get up for meaningless wins in a season that was completely lost but in this one where the Giants are in position to potentially win a division, and I know it's a crappy division, when they go out on the road with a backup quarterback and beat an 8-3 team that was 5-0 and going into this at home and almost never loses games at Century Lake Field, that's the type of win that gets you thinking differently about this team that's the type of win that gets you feeling differently about this team because that's the type of win that gets you looking at the entire nfc and saying with the exception of maybe that packers team because aaron Rodgers is playing on a different level right now than russell wilson let's be honest russell wilson was great in the first half of the season he's slowed down somewhat in the second half as that o-line gets hurt that green bay o-line stout as can be for the last decade basically for Rodgers, especially since they drafted Bakhtiari at left tackle but with the exception of the Packers and maybe the Saints because that defense is playing well but then again I don't know I don't know if I'm even going to say the Saints because they won't have that same home field they had I starting to think like this Giants team if Jones can continue to show more of what he showed the last three weeks, the improved mental uh, processing post-snap, the ability to use his legs in the zone running game and give the Giants that new dynamic on offense, the ability to take chances on those looks, those single high looks, and complete them and make big time throws that change and flip the alt and alter the entire game then this team could be a little frisky in the playoffs and they can compete in my mind with basically any of those nfc west teams we'll see next week if that's true against arizona but we've already seen it with seattle we've already seen it with los angeles the saints potentially and whoever makes it maybe from there it might be you know the Bucks sneak in and that's a team who the giants in my mind should have won I mean, they should have defeated earlier this season. Jones had like four open passes that he missed for that would have been touchdowns or two or three probably and some interceptions that he wishes he could have back. But again, if it's the improved version of Daniel Jones, I'm feeling good about it. And that's kind of how I feel after this game. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't really, besides the Packers, they, the Giants to me are starting to look like a team that can be frisky and competitive because what travels in the playoffs, Nick? Nick, it's not offense. It's always defense. Defense always travels when it's cold in Green Bay or if they have to go up to, you know, Uh, Seattle or I guess it's not the same case in SoFi Stadium over in Los Angeles that they eventually have to play there but again defense travels defense carries over into the playoffs man and this is a different kind of feel this win
2: so does run game man yes run the football and the Giants have been doing that at such a high level (laughs) these last couple games man these last few really dating back to the second Washington football team game and this is without Saquon Barkley too (laughs) I would love to see Saquon Barkley here that would be amazing what this offensive line and what this offensive line has been able to do it's something i mean geez, i don't remember the last time we've been able to establish at the point of attack and impose your will on a defensive front it's been so damn long and to watch the new york giants do that right now it's definitely motivating i mean like you said i was hyped for this i would give you another game that i was hyped for in the recent memory and that was daniel jones's first start against tampa bay Oh win. yeah, that one got no. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. it
1: was a terrible call. But I mean, that was even more hype, worthy than the second game. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was unbelievable. After that game, they were like, they were like, oh my god, did we just draft the greatest quarterback in the history of the Especially Giants? Because everyone's like, oh, Daniel Jones <laughs> is starting. What a what a loser. He went out there and lit <laughs> just him up. totally torches Todd Bowles' yeah. defense. And just the the throw he made to Slayton that game, where he had to where the pressure came from the right tackle, and he had to roll to his opposite side to the left, and then threw that ball to Slayton downfield. That was like, oh my god this guy's good yeah so yeah you're right there wasn't one other game but this is a totally different feel i i think with the fact that they're competing for a playoff spot and Mm -hmm. the nfc is super weak in my opinion this year there's no team besides the packers who have kind of separated themselves And even the packers have shown their vulnerability at times like you mentioned in the run game they can be beat up there and like you said this giants team that's how they won this game 31 carries 190 yards those two drives they converted two touchdowns basically based off the run game even though they threw for one of these touchdowns that was a total product of the run game if you look at that play and i can't wait to rewatch that on all 22 the seahawks were like this is a guaranteed run we're sending literally everyone towards the run and they leak out the running back in the flat and there's no one who can get there in time he can walk in the touchdown." so like you said, man, I mean, this is the type of win. The Giants almost matched the Seahawks in time of possession, which is insane. They held them to, like I said, four of what? F- including fourth downs, four fifteen on third and fourth down conversions. All the key metrics. They won the turnover battle. They are, are, the thing with the Giants right now to me is this. Earlier in the season, they were a team that was competitive in every single game. They lost some of those games, though. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the bucks Three games that they should have at least come out with one win out of that. At worst, probably more than likely two. Then, they were the team that made the stupid mistakes that lose you football games. Now, they're the team that recovers the fumble at midfield. They're the team that drives on the ball tips it up in the air and makes the interception the team that stops that has a sack on third and 10 on the final drive to make it fourth and 18 and that stops the fourth and 18 and gets off the field yes i was super frustrated by that stupid third and 15 auto first down on the holding call by darnay holmes that was devastatingly annoying to watch i hate when penalties extend drives and obviously the safety was a little bit of a miscue on special teams for sure but besides that they were the team that didn't make the mistakes they were the team that cleaned up the mistakes they used to make that cost them games and that alone shows great coaching and it shows reason to be excited about this team
2: and they also just Took advantage of opportunities, man. There was, what, a couple opportunities that they didn't really seize. I think James Bradbury had a potential interception go through his hands.
1: Julian Love.
2: Julian Love at the end of the game. That one was one where (sighs) I I thought, I was like, I even even said, man, I was like, you can't miss on those opportunities against someone like Russell Wilson. It was setting up for that similar game script that Giants fans got so used to in the beginning of the season. But... Giants defense stepped up then. Leonard, Leonard Williams was just everywhere, dude. I can't wait to see some of uh, the ways he got all of his hits and all of his pressures in this game. I know a lot of them were stunts and things like that, and the fact, let's be honest, the fact that this is a relatively young offensive line, experienced offensive line, definitely helps the Giants' ability to generate pressure, but they were still able to do so, and they were able to... Kind of manipulate and take advantage of Russell Wilson and have him second guess and have him try to extemporize plays and flow backwards, do his twists and turns. And the one time he tried to do it, Leonard Williams didn't abandon him his rushing lane, and he was waiting for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson spun out, tried to flee. Leonard Williams was right there to help uh, corral him.
1: There was a cool one, too, I rewatched, on the one where um, Crowder got in there to kind of drive Russell Wilson to his left, and, and it was kind of Williams at the point of attack with the left tackle. They're kind of holding each other up, and Williams just does a little spin move to the backside. I think – was this the one you're referencing? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he just kind of does this, like, really nimble spin to his left and just gets right in and sacks Russell.
2: Yeah, and that's just, like, an incredibly smart play by Savvy. him because so many – edge rushers and defensive players are going to try like hell to get off their block and he was like no russell wilson likes to roll out he likes to get away from the pressure he knows he has pressure coming from the other side so he was disciplined and stayed and waited for russell to make the move and once russell made the move he got away from his tackle and made the
1: play that's a great way to describe it that just shows that's exactly right he's seen enough film on russell he's seen enough of what russell does to get out of those situations and he used that to his advantage and that shows his smart his savvy i mean williams there's a lot to say about williams what did he have two and a half sacks today and five quarterback hits i think he now according to uh giant insider actually tweeted this out he he um leads the NFL in pressure and I'm sorry in quarterback hits that might need to be fact checked (laughs) maybe we'll fact check that at this I'm not sure if he actually leads the NFL in quarterback hits but he's up there he's had a lot of quarterback hits this year and he had two and a half final. he's been cashing them into sacks this year as well which is a big difference because like I said like that final drive where everyone in their right mind based on how every Giants game has gone for the last three seasons was expecting Seattle to come down drive and score the game winning touchdown that fourth and that fourth down play that final play was made so difficult because leonard williams got that eight yard loss on the third down play and this is a man right now nick who i am now in the boat of this i don't give a crap what the contract looks like the giants need to re-sign leonard williams i don't know what that means for dalvin tomlinson i don't know what that means for logan ryan and their future but at this point in time i am saying and now we can use some two contracts to frame it Donald, Aaron Donald, who he's not at that level and he won't be getting that contract no matter what he thinks. He's going to have to settle for less even after this break- breakout season. He signed for six years, $135 million. One that I think he'll sign closer to is the Kansas City Chiefs interior defensive lineman, Chris Jones, who signed a four-year, $80 million extension. Now, a case can be made that Jones has more longevity, has more uh, a longer sample size of dominance than Williams. But at this point, and Jones is obviously one of the best if not the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL besides and behind Aaron Donald but at this point this season a strong case can actually be made that in Patrick Graham's system which we expect the Giants to hopefully have for years on end and hopefully next season at the very least Leonard Williams is playing as well as Chris Jones and arguably the second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL behind Aaron Donald so with that said I'm totally fine paying him that four-year 80 million 20 million per year where do you stand on that I think I'd be fine with it, too. I don't think you can let him walk out the door. And like you said, Aaron Donald
2: would be number one. I think DeForest Buckner needs to be thrown into that equation as well. True. He's another very good interior defensive lineman. But Leonard Williams and what he provides to this defense is it's vital. You can't replicate it. You can't replace it with anybody else that's on the roster. And like I always say, I think Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson are two different players. But dexter lawrence can't do what dalvin tomlinson does to a certain extent and i think you can find people that can somewhat replicate what dalvin tomlinson can offer a defense with leonard williams i don't think that's something that can be replicated
1: completely agree with you especially if he can use play at this level especially because you have to factor in that he may be having a breakout season remember what is he 26 years old right I believe now? so yeah 26 years old that's around the time where a lot of players break out a b it might just be as simple as this is the best system to fit his skill set and he's playing his best football because of it that's another thing that could be in play here and i think overall i do tend to agree with you it's not that i think that dalvin tomlinson can be replaced one for one apples to apples but i actually am a little intrigued about playing dexter lawrence in the current dalvin thompson role what the defense would look like i know they wouldn't be able to do a lot of what you said the two gapping because it's not the same two guys out there but dexter lawrence offers a little bit different a little bit of a different skill set than dalvin Tomlinson, and he has a little bit more of an ability to just overwhelm these offensive linemen in the passing game and get quicker pressures and he's a little quicker than dalvin thompson as well
2: yeah, um, this isn't a referendum on Dalvin Tomlinson no. whatsoever. You, Listeners of the podcast, you know I've been one of the biggest Dalvin Tomlinson supporters, and he allows Patrick Graham to do a lot. But I do feel like you can find probably people who aren't as athletic as Dalvin Tomlinson, but players who are stout at the point of attack who can two-gap and can allow their linebackers to make plays while... Leonard Williams players like that players who are 300 plus pounds who can move like that who are as flexible as he is who has the pass rushing upside and is an, are not a liability against a run those guys do not grow on trees whatsoever I don't think Dalvin Tomlinson's grow on trees but you can replicate that like I said a little bit earlier
1: yeah and I think if you were going to say if one or the other does grow on trees to overuse this uh, grow on trees reference that we keep throwing in there I just think it's funny because everybody uses these monikers like grow on trees and this like things like that and I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone of this but I think the Dalvin Tomlinson types are actually much easier to find than the Leonard Williams I think it's actually considerable difference and I'm not saying this is a knock on Tomlinson he's the best he's one of the best at what he is but this to me this just total nose tackle type is just not as valuable to any NFL franchise. And just in general, you can find a lot of different guys that can be really successful and effective there. The Jets are actually a team that has done a lot wrong with their franchise over the last five years. But one thing they've done pretty well is find those noses and those interior guys to play the run really well. And that's why they've been known as this funnel defense that can kind of stop you in the run game and see it a lot in the passing game. So ultimately, I'm actually not saying I would overrule the idea of signing a Leonard Williams and a Dallin Tomlinson, but push comes to shove for me right now. It's not even a question. I'm going Williams over Tomlinson. You
2: have to go with the pass rushing upside.
1: You know what, Nick? One thing I want to get into with you as well on this podcast. I thought it was interesting that the Giants in the first half pretty much did nothing. They scored zero points. They had four first downs the entire first half, though mostly all on that first drive that led to the interception on the throw to Evan Ingram. And in that kind of game, we've been so accustomed to them you know keeping it five nothing half, and then the other team blows it out open in the second half. What do you think allowed the Giants to be able to kind of create those big plays in the running game, generate a little bit more on offense and then also despite you know being on the field for a lot of possessions, stop them defensively over and over again to the point where they only gave up one touchdown drive the entire game to the seattle seahawks i would love to see
2: what they were doing on the back end yeah so we had to get the all 22 for that but honestly it goes back to just the basics and the fundamentals of football and that's winning at the point of attack winning the line of scrimmage the giants did that it seemed like on both offense and defense when you win the line of scrimmage you can impose your will and you can kind of do whatever you want and we watched colt mccoy (laughs) colt mccoy led offense be able to establish the run on the road the way they did today and you know they're not guarding against the pass you saw Jamal Adams around the line of scrimmage the entire <laughs> game and they were still able to do that and then on defense you saw the pressure they were getting with Leonard Williams they would send four and they were getting pressure yeah. they would do the defensive back blitz and then you had the lockdown coverage from James Bradbury you saw Isaac Yidam come up with a couple of really nice plays Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan are both flying all over the field it's not just Patrick Graham it's these players that are playing within his system They're all playing at a very high level. Blake Martinez had an excellent game before he left, and once he left, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good whatsoever. I thought that would lead to somewhat of a comeback, not to take anything away from Tay Crowder and the other linebackers on the team, but Blake Martinez is invaluable to this team. So I think it would just be that simple. It was just owning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football and limiting mistakes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with that analysis, Nick. I think it's interesting moving forward. They cannot afford to lose Blake Martinez for any games, in my opinion. I actually put up a poll a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, who's the most important player on the defense. It was about 50-50 split with Bradbury and Martinez. I said my vote went to Martinez. I think if Bradbury left this defense, they it'd still be an atrocious loss for them but I think they'd have a better chance of competing than losing, Martin. they need Martinez on the field. I mean, 10 tackles, again, he's double digits every week there. He's the quarterback of the defense, he sets the defense up, and in general, they just he's all, he's in the right spot in a lot of these coverages that I feel like would get blown if they have to kind of dig down that list and start to play the David Mayos of the world and the Devonte Downses of the world for you know, 30, 35 snaps a game, something we can't afford to see. Now, having said that, I also thought it was very interesting in this game to see the Giants' ability to hold up in pass protection for Colt McCoy in a game where, like mm-hmm. you said, it was gung-ho obvious that they wanted to run the ball run a conservative attack and it did in a sense and and by the way we both agreed with it for this one i told nick this watching the game this is the first time in my life i was fine with second down second and long runs and first and long runs i said this is just the game today they got to try to run the ball i mean there's not much you can do with colt mccoy there were a few times i thought we should have taken some play action shots and i know you agree with me there's the one key one where it was so obvious we're going to run the ball on second down it would have been such a perfect time because it was so obvious to run the play action.
2: backers just sucked up to the line of scrimmage right upon the snap
1: and then totally blew it up for a gain of nothing but aside from that i thought it was interesting that with all that said the giants only allowed two sacks in this game one was off just a free blitzer that they didn't see and then the other i believe that was the play actually where dion lewis got blown up was that the one where Adams blew him up?
2: No, Adams blew blown him up was on the right side okay. of the offensive line. Of and then there was from yeah. the left side
1: the free yeah. blitzer. So those yeah. are the only two plays. And there were some clean, clean pockets for McCoy in this game. I mean, it was this is not the first week we said this This is kind of now a two or three week straight thing where we're seeing rant. I've never seen this I feel like I've never seen this I mean I have obviously I watched the 2007 and 8 Giants but it's been so long since I saw these fully clean pockets for four or five seconds and that's a big takeaway because the Seahawks team has some pass rushers and they have been able to get to the quarterback all game against Carson Wentz they shut him down they sacked Wentz multiple times I think it was five sacks in that game which by the way the Giants had five of Russell which is awesome but five sacks in that game Wince was never comfortable back there and yet you see watch this next week a Giants offensive line and they're protecting and I thought that's something really good to look forward to
2: especially when you go back a few weeks and listen to how Dan and I were talking about <laughs> this offensive line and how they were just a mess a complete mess prior to the Tampa Bay game I mean, you started seeing Andrew Thomas after that Thursday night football game against Philadelphia, the, their first matchup of the season. You started seeing a little bit of progress, but now it's like you don't really see that many pressures from him. I would love to see the technique on the All-22, and you and I will definitely dive into that. But, man, that's he's starting to look like the kind of guy that you expect a first-round tackle to look like. Now you look at some of the other guys that were taken, you could say, oh, well, those guys are playing better. But you know what? If you would have told me six weeks ago that you – are not going to be complaining about Andrew Thomas's play, and you're rarely going to hear his name, I would have signed up for that in a second.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't even attribute what he's doing in the run game, which is some awesome stuff, I think. And I'll have to see it again on the All-22, but I think he played a huge role in that touchdown run, the one I was talking about, where after the three— they had a three-play stretch where Gallman ran for 60, then Morris broke off, I believe, 11, or it was 13, and then they had the four yard touchdown in three plays they were able to crank off 77 yards rushing and a touchdown on obvious rundowns that's unbelievable and i'm pretty sure one of those was a really good block off the point of attack by thomas who fired off and like you said he didn't allow a single pressure in this game and remember this is a guy who at who allowed the most pressures in the nfl by far like not even close through the first seven weeks of the season. The next person was 17 pressures allowed behind Andrew Thomas. That's how many pressures he allowed those first seven weeks, and it's like, snap your fingers night and day, now the Giants have a competent left tackle. Out of nowhere, and again it's still a small sample size we need to see this for the rest of the season and then another 16 games to really lock it in but this is a long stretch for the jumper a Giants football team that has been struggling to find offensive tackles for a decade now this is a long stretch of good play from the left tackle position now the right tackle position is a whole nother thing I didn't think Cam Fleming had a good game last game I haven't seen him enough this game but it obviously was better than last game but from the left tackle position this is a very long stretch of good play it also says a lot about Andrew
2: Thomas. And I know I've touched on this in previous podcasts, but everybody knew his flaws. All these defensive linemen, they watch film. They know how to attack him. And they're still trying to attack him, but we're not seeing it because he's stopping them. So that speaks a lot to this kid's ability to adapt and his ability to learn as an ability to improve. And that's all you could say about a rookie, man. That's what you want from somebody yeah. his age. What is he, 22? Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent
1: amazing i mean they could have potentially 10 15 years more of play of of solid to above average and maybe more left tackle play out of him it's it's exciting for sure and i know some people i you know some people are were actually coming at me like anytime he has a good game people are, you, you guys don't understand i want andrew thomas to be good and i was not taking any victory laps when he was bad or anything like that i was simply just analyzing his play through the first seven weeks and I will stand by it. He was one of the worst tackles in the NFL. Nick said it as well. There's no hiding it. He was unbelievably bad the first seven weeks, and now... Boom! Snap of the finger. This guy took to coaching. He's and maybe it is as simple as what his uh, college coach said, which is basically he started just revert. He he basically threw out everything Colombo tried to teach him, and it was overthinking it. And he was trying. It's like I said. It's like it goes back to the whole throwing motion that, that we've had this discussion on this podcast multiple times. If you tried to teach me to throw football now, it's a completely different way. I'd probably revert back to the old ways that I learned. If you tried to te- reteach me my tennis serve, I probably and I'm a big time tennis player. I'd probably reserve. Um, sorry, go back to the old ways that I know how to serve, what I'm comfortable with. And maybe he just went back to what he's comfortable with and it's leading to more production. And that's fine with me. If this is what we're going to get and they don't think these are perfect techniques, quote unquote, or Colombo didn't think that for whatever reason, we don't need perfect techniques. What we need are winning techniques. And right now, whatever he's doing on the field is producing winning play from the left tackle position.
2: That's all you can ask for, my man.
1: Without a doubt. And I want to finish and wrap this pot up with one more thing. I want to give due credit And I want everyone to know this, I don't suffer from take lock. There are some people in the industry who suffer from what I refer to, and this is more of a fantasy football term, but I think it applies to the NFL as well, take lock. What take lock means is you come up with your take, Daniel Jones, so here's one for example. Daniel Jones is a horrible draft pick. He should have been drafted in the sixth round. He's a terrible pick by the Giants, dumbest pick ever. And they make that take and then they lock onto it. No matter what happens, no matter how the guy performs, they lock onto it. And so in this regard, I won't lock on to the take-lock with Dave Gettleman. I think some credit has to be given to Gettleman for his overall philosophy, building the roster inside out. Like you said, when you win at the point of attack, and he's helped do that by adding guys like Leonard Williams, Dexter, Lawrence, Dalvin, or he didn't add Dalvin Thompson, obviously, but Blake Martinez and Bradbury. And when you hit on an offseason like the one he currently looks like he's hitting on, Bradbury, Martinez, Logan Ryan, Fackrell, the four rookies that or the five rookies we talked about on the defensive side of the ball andrew thomas now that he's playing better football uh even guys like you said nico lalos who's coming in and making contributions.
2: shane lemieux and we haven't even seen xavier McMahon. shane lemieux
1: we haven't even seen xavier moody he's having a breakout offseason this is what it can be referred to now i still think overall my issue with gettleman and why i'm still of full belief that i would hope the giants would i still think the giants can do better at gm by far is a process based issue. I still think his process is terrible, and I think you're going to have hits like he's having sometimes, because he is still a solid evaluator of NFL talent. There's a lot of guys. I think almost every team employs good evaluators, but that's the whole point. It's hard to evaluate these guys, even when you know it. Even when you think you know it, you don't. Um, So I still think he kind of fumbled away all the capital he had in 2018 and 2019. But the fact of the matter is this. He was working with less capital this offseason than he's ever had with the Giants, because he had the extra picks from the Beckham trade in the last draft, and then the 2018 draft he had the second overall pick and yet despite and he had the extra pick from the JPP trade that he used on BJ Hill but despite working with less he did more and credit is due for Gabe Gettleman because he has built a team that is winning consistently at the point of attack on the defensive line on the interior and that is winning now on the offensive line at the point of attack and that took time it took three years but if this can continue in this tread in 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 this direction I should say and that's really good stuff and that's really positive going forward and gives me a lot of hope about where this team can head
2: and as i said i think two podcasts ago maybe three podcasts ago it's about his relationship dave gettelman's relationship with joe judge and how they work together does gettelman provide judge with the necessary pieces to allow judge to have a winning football team and i think that just in this one off season that you could probably say that he has so I know you and I have gone back and forth about Dave Gettleman in the past. Like I always say, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world if he's gone. And if he stays, I think that if this relationship between him and Judge and they can work together, I think that would be a prudent move.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's tough to say. I still stand by. I don't, don't like his process as a GM. So yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimately, I think you're going to have some big hits like he's had this season. But he's also going to end up having the Barclays. And, you know, potentially we'll see where it goes with the Hernandez's. But I again, I still think Hernandez should be on the field. But I will say this. One thing that I always stand by with Gettleman that makes me feel look at him as a, in a positive light and know that what you're saying is pretty true, and I am trending more in that direction, by the way, of I don't think it'll be even close to the end of the world if he gets retained. And he will, by the way, if the Giants end up winning this division, Dave Gettleman's not going anywhere. That's the reality of the situation.
2: Unless he retires. Unless
1: he retires, correct. But what I will say about Gettleman, and this is what got me excited about him when he was first brought into the New York Giants when they got rid of Reese. He has an inside-out philosophy for building the roster, and I am a massive proponent that you need an inside-out philosophy to build an NFL roster. If you don't have an inside-out philosophy for building your NFL roster, you're not going to win football games. We saw this for a decade straight when Jerry Reese poured picks into Beckham, Randall, Jernigan, Travis Beckham, a, a, a soaking wet wide receiver playing the tight end position who's fucking 220 pounds soaking wet i mean i watched him in wisconsin he had nothing on him and constantly pouring picks into the outside skill players and and Gettleman's picks and obviously his investments that he's made on the interior of this team are starting to pay off specifically on the offensive side of the ball they've kind of been there for a little while on the defensive side of the ball and again he's poured so many (laughs) assets into the defense that it should be this case like that's not as much of an accomplishment for me the Gettleman because he's used a first round pick on Lawrence he traded a JPP for an early third to use on BJ Hill he inherited Dalvin and then he obviously also traded for Leonard Williams but on the offensive side of the ball he's done it in a little bit more of a unique way yeah he used the number four over pick on Andrew on Andrew Thomas but he found Shane Lemieux in the fifth who's contributing snaps for them now he draft obviously found Nick Gates undrafted and he traded for Kevin Zeitler what was a great move for a guy who's extremely underrated and he's going to improve that right tackle position next year it's either going to be Pert steps up or he's going to find someone else to compete with Pert that's better than Fleming so If that continues to come together for me, I feel so much better about this future with Gettleman.
2: Let's hope so, man.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, everyone. This is the Giants Big Blue Banter Podcast coming to you with the Giants' fourth straight victory to move into first place of the NFC East. They were already there, but now they have a chance to have sole possession. If you did enjoy this podcast or you are a fan of the show and you haven't already given us a rating, review, and download and subscription, on our iTunes podcast please head over to iTunes and do it there we are getting very very close my friends very very close to hitting that 400 rating mark that i've been saying i really wanted to get to thank you to everyone who listened to me on the last podcast when i made my shameless plug and plea for us to get to 400 ratings because we jumped another 27 ratings we're now only 13 ratings away we even had guys friends of the show like Jay dodge come on and say i don't use itunes but I did get an account just to give you guys a five star rating because it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Well, guess what, Jay Dodge? Little did you know, I am a Jew. So happy Hanukkah to me. Merry Christmas to Nick Velato. We'll take it. We're happy with the review. NJ Giant fan, fair and smart podcast, five star review. Dan and Nick do a great job of breaking down the game film and I have no problem with Nick's commercial ad reads. I decided to read this one because this is the first positive review but it looks like a trend is starting to happen. People are starting to enjoy these ad reads more. Nick has changed up his voice. He put in the work. He grinded in the film room. I saw him working with a vocalist. I saw him talking to someone on the phone saying, listen, give me a free lesson all i need is one i can pick this up in a snap i will get these ad reads down for our listeners and that's exactly what happened so
2: i gotta be honest though dan there seems to be uh two sides to this because i have some people reaching out to me on twitter saying hey man i loved your ad reads when they were loud and obnoxious and silly and i see a lot of people saying no those
1: things were trash so we we, we're splitting right now man the tables may have turned then the tables may exactly have turned and by the way nick before we wrap up this podcast, me and you need to get a little talking, talking Nick, talking Dan, talking complaints out because we had the same exact complaint watching this football game and we want to see if anyone else picked up on this and we forgot to get into this, but we made a note of it. So we have to get into this now. For those of you who watch the Giants game today, and I assume that's literally everyone, but if not, and you're relying on us for your analysis, try to fall and stay with us. Was this today not the single worst broadcast of an NFL game? And thank God it was not broadcasted on Channel 2 because then I could not be saying any of this because I (laughs) want to keep my job forever. But was this not the worst broadcast you've ever seen constantly throughout this game? They would not show replays and they would just... They would talk about a play that just happened, whether it be a holding or a good key seal block to make a play or a good key playing coverage or a close pass interference that might have not been. And then they just pan... Zoom into the player who they were talking about, and then the announcer would just go off for another 15 seconds before the next play was snap instead of showing the replay. It was one of the most pathetic efforts I've ever seen by a broadcaster. It was
2: almost to the point where I thought there were technical difficulties that did not allow this specific broadcast. And this is not a referendum on Adam Amin or Stink. I believe it was the two guys who were. No, doing this is on the crew. This is on the crew. This is on the video editing crew. I have
1: get to, your shit together and don't ever do that again. I do not want to ever was, watch another game without replays.
2: It was so frustrating when they were like, "Oh wow, pass interferes," and they sit there and they were looking, and the camera's like zoomed it's in on like zooming in slowly, like literally zooming like in on like Chris Carson's ass or something yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and and all we want to do is see the replay. It's and and it was specifically bad, I would say. In the first half. Yes, they got a little yes. better. And then the fourth quarter, there was one play where they like, oh, they better show a replay. And they ended up showing the replay. And I was like, all right, that was solid. I think it was on a uh, it was a pre- on a on pressure from the New York Giants. And I was like, okay, at least they showed the replay there. But, dude, I, I was complaining about it. I know Dan was complaining about it as well. Unbelievable. And, I- I- and I'm sure a lot of Giants fans at home were complaining about it. Just
1: unbelievable stuff. I, I mean- don't know if it's hold. Yeah, what the hell are we doing here? We're not showing replays of plays you're talking about? Like, what is this world I'm living in where I'm waiting 15 seconds for the next play to be snapped, and instead of seeing a replay of what you're talking about, I'm watching a player's fucking ass getting (laughs) zoomed into? (laughs) What the hell happened? And I apologize, by the way, to all the dads who listen to this podcast around children. There were a few curses that we just dropped, but listen, we got heated up.
2: I'll put the E there.
1: Nobody wanted We'll put the E in for this (laughs) podcast. But again, thank you to everybody who... Did give us ratings, reviews, five stars. We do see one four star in there. That's okay. We don't love you. You won't get a shout out, but appreciate everyone who took the time to rate and review us. As always, the only thing we'll ever ask out of this show is head over to iTunes, give us a rating, five star, give a review, write something in. We'll feature you on the show. A couple others we'll throw out there. I see one that I have to call out now as I'm looking through these reviews Big Blue Badger gives us five stars. One of the best. Anytime I see the word badger, you're getting a shout out on this podcast, but I will not talk. Any more about Wisconsin sports because it was a devastating weekend for both football and basketball. But again, thank you for you doing that. Basketball. You did not know what happened in that game. No, I didn't,
2: and I'm purposely bringing this up. But I, I honestly did not know.
1: I'm at this stage, just so the listeners know what's going on. That pause was me debating if Nick's trolling me and he knows exactly what happened in that basketball game, <laughs> or if he truly is just oblivious to because he's not a huge college basketball fan.
2: It's a little column A. It's a little column B. I am somewhat trolling, but at the same time, I did not know what happened because I don't follow college
1: basketball. I feel like if you didn't know what happened, you're actually not trolling in the sense that I'm I'm
2: bringing it up on purpose. I could have just asked you off pod.
1: True. I'm not going to get into it. So if you think (laughs) I'm going into what the hell happened with that Wisconsin Badgers basketball team earlier this weekend, it's not going to happen. But again, thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Raise the reviews. And as always, guys. Please, 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 please check out our Instagram page. That shit is growing. That's off the hook. I love our Instagram page. Sean is running that, and he's putting great content on there. NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. Follow us there. Check out our content. And we'll talk to you guys later this week with the All 22. We cannot wait to break down this film of this game.
2: Dan, right before we go, we're at yes. 646 Woo! followers on instagram we're trying to get to a thousand before the end of the season guys if you guys have instagram just please hook us up our guy sean is doing an excellent job that's ny big blue banter he puts up amazing content all the time please check it
1: awesome stuff all right guys again we'll talk to you later this week with all 22 breakdowns go giants